We talking rom-com, we talking action, we talking drama and movie classics, whatever you want, yo we have it, cause we talking movies on a podcast. So I married a film critic, so I married a film critic. So I married a film critic. Hey honey, I just wanna so talk I about the movie like casually. Critic. You don't have to so bring up very cinematography. Honestly, let's just talk about like how the characters were fun. Married a film critic. So I married a film critic. So Welcome to So I Married a Film Critic, a discussion between a professional film critic and lecturer and me, his wife of 20 years, who just likes to watch movies for fun. I'm your co-host, Julia. And I'm Barry the Film Critic. Hello, everyone. And tonight, we decided to watch Dazed and Confused from 1993. This is Richard Linklater's second film, which is just amazing to me because his first movie was called Slacker. Uh, I believe came out in 1990, I think. And I saw it when it came out and I I really dug it. It was different. Um, You could tell that it wasn't done for a lot of money, but it was just one of these things where for one thing, it was, it was dialogue driven. It was idea driven and it was very inventive um, kind of, you know, don't mean to give it a backhanded compliment, but, but slight. And considering that, that Days and Confused was his second film, it was just astonishing because the the filmmaking acumen here is is really off the charts. I mean, this is a confident, muscular, well made film. It is dialogue driven. It's character driven. It definitely has all the hallmarks that we'd expect from Linklater, even this early in his career. Um, but it it created a time and place in a way that was vivid to a lot of people who were there, and to someone like myself who just missed the seventies. I really thought like this, this movie doesn't feel like art direction and pageantry. It really feels like it's connecting to not only the look of the time, but the feel of it. Um, you have a film which we have dozens of characters. We're constantly ping-ponging back and forth between between you know dozens and dozens of speaking roles. And the movie isn't editorializing them. They're just showing them what they're doing. We're catching up with them in the moments. And it's all about that moment. And that's why I love this film because like American Graffiti, it's it doesn't really editorialize the time. It's just showing you uh, this little time capsule of a moment. All right. Well, our film opens up on the last day of school in 1976. And, uh, Sweet emotion. Oh, gosh. You guys, he, he's really into this. He's wearing like his 70s outfit. To record. Dude, it's dazed and confused. Of course I am. <laughs> the movie opens up with, with uh, Aerosmith's Sweet Emotion. And like my friend Michael McCartney, uh, who I'll be talking about a little bit more because <laughs> this is basically the story of his high school years. Um, <clears throat> mild exaggeration. But uh, he's he's said many times, and I agree with him, it, it's does the music just puts you into the film. That, that slow-mo shot that opens the film and the series of montages – um, I don't know. Like, there's a lot of things to say about the movie off the top of my head, but it, it's not pretentious. It's just it's recreating a feeling of just like whatever, man. Just do it, man. Just go for it. It just it's creating this idea that. Uh, well, I mean, you know, I think everyone who is young can relate to this idea of like, you know, who cares about tomorrow? Let's just like this this isolated moment. Let, let's live for it and let's let's embrace all the possibilities within it. So we have all these uh, 1970s teenagers, like last day of school. They're May, like May 28th, 1976. Smoking weed. Yeah. And, 
you know, in school. (laughs) We're showing things like shop class and just like students wandering around and... And how you can learn to make a bong in shop class. Yes. And a paddle. Oh, man. Because the seniors are making paddles for the for the big ritual coming up. So we find out there's a party happening tonight. Um, big party at one of these guys' houses. And... <laughs> this is one of my favorite subplots in the movie. There's a lot going on in this film. There's so many characters, yeah. and many of whom are played by actors that we now know who are above the title, big name, movie star actors. And then there's a lot of actors in this film that you th- you'd think they would have been major stars after this, and they weren't. Either they just picked the wrong projects or they just kind of faded out after this movie. But like, I don't know. Every time I watch it's like, yes, Ben Affleck is in this. Matthew McConaughey is in this. But like, there's a lot of really amazing actors in this who you're like, oh, what else did they do? And you look at their IMDb page and you go, oh, that's too bad. Because they they clearly, you know, everyone is so well cast. I don't know. Like, you know, there's actors who we're going to single out, but I think everybody has a moment to shine in this. Yeah. You know, everybody has this moment to like be charismatic and and uh, just really make a make an impression in the brief, in some cases, very brief moments of screen time. Well, one of the storylines kind of centers on the football players and the coaches have given them this like code of conduct. Yeah you know, sheet that they're supposed to sign. And it's like, I won't drink, I won't do drugs, I won't do anything to jeopardize, you know, the team. And one of our leads, um, Jason London, he's just like so ticked about this. <laughs> Jason London, nickname, his nickname in the movie is Pink. Can you tell me the difference between Jason London and Jeremy London? Um, no. Okay, so who's in Party of Five, Jason London or Jeremy London? Jason? Jeremy London. Oh. <laughs> Who was in Kevin Smith's second movie, Mallrats? Jason London or Jeremy London? Jeremy? Very good. I don't know. You passed. <laughs> that was a total guess. I had 50-50 shot. Good. Yep. So, yeah, this is, yeah, Jason London starring in this film. Oh, who was the love interest in The Man on the Moon? Oh, Jeremy? Jason. Ah. Jason London. He was the This guy. Yeah, the the uh, Reese Witherspoon's Dang first kissed it. in movies and I, I think in real life that too. Movie. He's terrific in that. I mean that's a that's a great film. That's yeah. Robert Mulligan. That's Reese Witherspoon's first starring role. I think her first movie. We had talked about that instead of this. <laughs> no. We'll, <laughs> we'll talk about Man on the Moon some other time. We'll, we'll save that for Valentine's Day. Come on, it's summer. <laughs> this is one of the great summer movies. Okay, so the guys are are ticked and you know I know it's cliche, but those those coaches, man, those short shorts, I feel like they're coming back. <laughs> I feel like they've come back in style. Sure. I, I mean, everything comes back in style. I mean, I saw leg warmers the other day. I know. You know, I mean, yes, Flashdance is 40, but I don't think anybody... I think the people who are wearing leg warmers don't even know who Jennifer Beals was. So, That's... yeah, I think, you know, these, these styles tend to be, you know, circular. It's like, it, you know... It is. It becomes a part of fashion, and then it becomes kitsch and embarrassing, and then it becomes postmodern. Everything goes completely full circle. If it was ever popular once, it'll probably be popular twice. All right, so we find out the high school guys go to the junior high and wait for them to get out of school so they can paddle their butts and just, like, beat them up. And I was like, <laughs> oh, my gosh, like, actual hazing for, like, a public high school? Yeah, in... A character makes a quick point that this is something that the community, oddly enough, 
it's it's a tradition. It's obviously not supported or you know, but or endorsed. But at the same time, there's a moment where the seniors show up in the lawn of a school, and they get out their loudspeaker and they're announcing that they're going to find this young guy and they're going to paddle him. And they cut to one of the teachers kind of snickering. And I thought that's interesting. That's a good detail because that says a lot about how the community feels about this. But then later on, same scene. Uh, one of the kids is followed home and he's about to get a paddling uh, by a character, a despicable character named O'Bannon, played by a very young Ben Affleck. And uh, the young boy's mother gets a shotgun, shotgun in his face, which is wonderful <laughs> and, and scares him off her property. So, you know, you get the sense like this is something that the community, it's like it's a tradition. Okay, but like that teacher who snickers, I mean, he hears this same thing at the, on the last day of school. Every year. Yeah, that's probably why. I mean, that's yeah. why I was like, oh. Like, we, you know, and the attitude of this community and the attitude of a lot of these kids is like, we've all been through this. We all go through this. It's like, wow, this is this is awful. <laughs> this is something that like, you know, they're all like, well, this is, you know, it's, it's May. So, of course, this is going to happen. But the film is about rituals. You know, not only high school graduation, not only these awful initiation rituals, but it's also about what's going to happen after you're done with school. It's this idea of like, we just live for now and be in the now, or as our main character, I think ostensibly the protagonist played by Jason London, basically comments about how, you know, I mean, he's thinking forward. He's kind of the equivalent of the Richard Dreyfuss character in American Graffiti, a movie this has a lot in common with, the idea that he's the one who's thinking about what's next, what's in the future. Um, he's the one who's thinking outside of the rituals because he's a football player and he's at this, you know, moral crossroads if he's going to sign this ridiculous lifestyle covenant, um, which some of his other teammates have or haven't. So some of the characters, they're really thinking about ways they're going to break out of the mold that they're in. And some of them are just like, no, man, just just keep living. <laughs> and then we find out that the girls also get hazed. Yeah. By the seniors. And their hazing is more of like a humiliation ritual mm -hmm. where they have to suck on pacifiers and... They're doused with uh, ketchup and, and mustard, mustard and, and flour. flour and, and they have to lay on the ground in the hot sun and like, I don't know... Act like they're frying f sizzling bacon. Yeah. yeah it's... It yeah. looks even worse than the paddling. Because the paddling is like, okay, at least that'll be over. Well, and then they sometimes take one of the, uh, like a girl over to... One uh, of the senior boys. Yeah, and they're like, oh, ask him to marry you. And then he's like, well, what are you going to do for me? And she's like, whatever you want. You know, it kind of has these like overt sexual tones. Yeah, proof that Gloria Steinem's feminism didn't translate to every part of this country, apparently. <laughs> if something like this is happening in the 70s. And then to wash them off, they just put them in the back of trucks and go through a car wash. Yeah. And I was telling Barry, I'm like, you know, that's the only thing as a kid that I ever thought, oh, I kind of want to do that. Just like go through a car wash. You still could. I know where car wash truck. is. I want to do the other part of the hazing, but like, the other, you know. I know someone with a truck. <laughs> you and my daughter can get in the back and, you know, we'll, sl we'll drive slowly through the car wash if it's, if it's like a bucket list thing. So then the thing, though, that's... I guess good is once the hazing is done, they, you know, sometimes get invited to like hang out with them afterwards, <laughs> which I'm like, all right, now you've just been humiliated and now you're friends. I don't know if that's a part of it though. I think there's just some seniors that are really cool. Frankly, oh, I think, okay. I think that's what we're seeing because pink is a cool guy. He does stupid stuff. He could be as knuckleheaded as his buddies, but he's clearly the one it seems like he's the one That's who's going to Justin London. He's the one who's going to go the distance in life, where a lot of his idiot buddies are are not. This is it for them. Yeah, 
Okay. So let's talk about the age of the actors because this is something you talked about a lot oh, about okay. whether they're old. Did you enough. look it up? No, but I mean, I have eyes. I agree with you. I mean, some of these guys, I mean, Wiley Wiggins looks at, you know, Wiley Wiggins, who's also one of the leads in the film, and I love him in this. Um, he's the young freshman who becomes one of the center characters in the he movie. He does look young. He looks very young, exactly. Um, I think I think Affleck is passable. Um, it's obviously a point, and we'll talk all about McConaughey, it's obviously the point that he looks older than everybody else. And I think Jason London also could pass for a senior. But some of these guys, I won't name specific ones, but some of these actors, yeah, they look like college. I mean, it should be, mm-hmm. you know, it, you know, we've said this many times before, some of these high school movies, they should be college sets because, but that's not the point. I mean, this is high school, so it's about a different time, a different mentality. These kids aren't business minded. They're not thinking about, you know, careers as much as they're thinking about just like, all right, I did it. I survived. Woo! Party. Yeah. You know, okay, then then what? And then that's kind of the dread of what's next. Well, okay. Oh, Jason London's twin. It's it, Jeremy's his twin. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, it's an easy mistake to make. And I've made it many times. I thought they were just brothers, but no, no they're twins. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's very much a Dormont, Mulroney, Dylan, Dylan McDermott, McDermott thing where, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and I like them both, and I can differentiate them both, and I can name highlights of both their careers if I'm very, very careful about it. But really, like, I mix them up all the time, stupidly. Okay, well, he was 21 when he made this, Jason London. Yeah, too old. Too old. Too old. Okay, so yeah, that Wiley Wiggins, he was under 20. He was still a teenager. It, it, yeah, I do want to go back a little bit to talk about the female uh, female, the, the the initiation that that the that the high school girls do to each other. Yeah, it's interesting because there's a scene earlier in the movie where they're in the girls' room. They're talking about the sexism inherent in Gilligan's Island, mm. and yet here's this ritual they're doing. And there, you guys were in class trying to list all the Gilligan's Island episodes without even a hint of irony. When the hell are you talking about, girl? You weren't thinking about it, were you? Gilligan's Island? It's what's called a male pornographic fantasy. Oh my. Think about it. You're basically alone on a deserted island with two readily available women. One, a seductive sex goddess type. The other, a healthy girl next door type with a nice butt. So guys have it all. The Madonna and the whore. And women get nothing. We get a geek, an overweight middle-aged guy, some nerdy scientific type. I mean, the professor is sexy. So it's like some of them are really forward-thinking and progressive, and the others are like, yeah, let's let's make the freshman girls act like they're sizzling bacon on the hot tarmac. <laughs> yeah. Would you do that? I, I, you would, wouldn't you? No. I, I so think... You know what else is doing I here? think I would probably try and sneak out the back of the school and like get away. Yeah, but then you're going to be known as the one who didn't partake. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll just like... Oh, sorry. I had to go help my mom. <laughs> I have a doctor's note. Sorry, girls. <laughs> okay. But Matthew McConaughey was like 24. Yeah. Yeah. So. Which is funny because he looks so much older. He does look than so 24. Older. He absolutely yeah. looks older. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So Wiley Wiggins, his character, his older sister is his a senior. Of, yeah. And she's like telling the guys like. Don't be, you know, don't go too hard on him. And that's when they're like doing the exact opposite. Yeah. Jason London's like the cool of the cool guy of the seniors and she's the cool girl of the seniors, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And so he's, he's pitching for a baseball game and they, these guys are just waiting for him to be done. And And one of which is played by. Yeah. Ben Affleck. Yeah. 
the and bat. Cole Hauser. Yeah, yeah, really bad in this. Um, but um, Affleck's hair is terrible in this. I mean, I, I love it. Like they're even like let's let's even mess up his hair. He's going to be just a monster in this. I love that the movie's depiction of true evil in high school form. <laughs> is played by Matthew McConaughey, Parker Posey, and Ben Affleck. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do too. So he gets like totally beat. And then, um, but Jason London like invites him out later that night. And so that, like you talked about him being cool. He's like, make sure you ice it. Like basically ice your butt. Can you believe that Ben Affleck's first line, I think it's his first line in cinema is in this. And you know what it is? What? You're ready to bust some ass? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the future Oscar-winning director of Argo. Um, all right, so everybody kind of is getting ready for this big party. Oh, okay. Well, there's this a few is, there's a few okay. things going on, but yeah, the party yeah. is supposed to take place at a guy's house, and one yeah. of the one of the girls at the part at the at the house is played by Mila Jovovich, who has very few lines in this. Uh, but yeah, they're kind of singing around, they're planning, they got all their buds coming, and there's this cake delivery that ruins it. Yeah. So the dad, he's like, "So you have some guy delivering some kegs over here?" He's like, "What?" So he goes downstairs and he's like, "Dude, you're like way too early. Like you gotta come back later." And so, because the parents are going out of town for the weekend, and. The guy's like, oh, sorry, wrong house. Uh, gosh, what a stupid mistake. And then the dad tells the mom, like, start unpacking. We're not going anywhere. And I love it because, like, the dad's like, dude, you are not going to have 100 kids at my house tonight and mess it all up. Like, I'm staying here. And it kind of shows them throughout the night, like, kids going to the house and the dad opening the door. This is such a funny idea for any movie. I mean, look, one of my favorite films of all time is House Party. House Party is basically about this idea. Like, okay, like, the parents, like, the line is like, your parents went down south, way down south. So that's where they're all going to have the house party because no one's there. But the fact that, you know, <laughs> the movie flips it complete reversal. The parents are not dupes. They understand what's going on. They understand their son and they understand their son's friends. So they're going to stay. And it's a running gag over the course of the movie. We keep seeing these young stoner teenagers like, hey, man, woo! They knock on the door. The parents <laughs> answer it and they flee the scene. It's yeah. so funny. Like, I don't know. Like, I love that the movie keeps going back to this because this would be a funny movie all by itself. And instead, it just yeah. becomes this running gag that just gets funny over the course of the movie. Right. All right, so now everyone, so, so now all the kids are just like, well, party's canceled, man, you know, and so they all just kind of like hop into cars and they're just kind of driving around. They kind of end up at this pool hall arcade place. And at one point, Matthew McConaughey says to kid like, to the Wiley Wiggins character, like, you have a joint? And he's like, nah, nah, man, I don't. He's like, it'd be a lot cooler if you did. <laughs> <laughs> Like, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, this is Wooderson. I mean, um, he's like a 14-year-old kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, it's it's interesting because they're all like either graduates or they're in it. Like they all have this connective point being the school and the town. Um, so like there's this hierarchy among them, but there shouldn't be because they're really only a few years difference. And they've right. all had like these – they all have like a lot of the same, ide- same ideals and same love for music and drugs and everything. Um but you're you're really getting the sense of like you know the young buck like being in awe of these these seniors or in the case of McConaughey these super seniors yeah super seniors did you idolize your seniors because I did 
Um, well, when I was a freshman, the senior class had three students, so wow. no. <laughs> My class had about 15, 16 seniors, and I thought they were just the coolest. And I do remember hanging out with a bunch of them because being in theater and also I was just very outgoing for some reason. And I do remember telling him all the time, like, I remember do at one at one point saying something very Wiley Wiggins-like, being like, I'd love to, like, just hang out with you guys. You guys are awesome. You know? But I did. <laughs> and they just, like, patted you on the head. Basically. Like, yeah, okay. But they were really sweet. They were all, it was a really good group. Really good group. And I wound up, when I was a freshman, asking the, a senior girl, Jamie, to go with me to this Valentine's banquet. It was a really bold thing. I don't know what was possessing me. I barely knew her, but I was very comfortable with her. And I found out later that she didn't want to go with the guy who was planning on asking her. He had, he was kind of like kind of waffling about it. So I just picked – and I didn't know about this till years later. But I picked a perfect moment. She was like walking out. She's like, hey, Barry, how you doing? And I walked up to her and I was like, you want to go with me to the Valentine Banquet? And she thought it for a second. She's like, yeah. Yeah, that'd be great. Let's do it. I'm like, okay, great. She's so like, within, oh, you saved me. Oh, well, thank God. And I had no, no idea of that for <laughs> years. So like, you know, for 24 hours, like, wow, Barry has Jamie. Because Jamie uh, was not only like one of the star seniors, but like her father – I mean, her uncle was the principal, and her father was the head of the church that sponsored the school. So it was a, it was, a, it was, it put me on the map, Jules. Oh, okay, it's I, a really I, big deal. Mm-hmm. You got to really appreciate that because I was like freshman, you know, and I asked the senior, and she <laughs> said yes. So like, it was a big deal. Okay, this was 1996. That okay? is a big deal. Yeah, not 96. This is 92. I was little. I was 1992. <laughs> Very lucky. Very lucky. Okay, so the yeah, the rec center. We have to talk about this like official junior high dance. Oh man. <laughs> this is embarrassing. Yeah, I love this. And because uh, because yeah, this is they're all slow dancing and in the case of, you know, you and I went to very conservative private religious there schools. There were no there was no dances like this. Well, mine Well, when I was in junior high, I went to, I was at public school and okay. we did have dances like this, but we did not have the back black light room well we'll get to that i mean did you when you ever because we did have this one year where there was some slow dancing and i do recall teachers with rulers talking about leaving some room for the holy spirit oh my god did you ever have that no because the only dances we got to have when i was in high school were square dances oh man that's even more embarrassing oh gosh you did square dances darcy do Oh wow! So it wasn't to like achy break your heart or like to to pop country. Oh, no, it was no. actually to like it was like going yeah. round and going bring your partner round and round like that kind of. Yeah. Oh man! <laughs> All right, so let's get to the let's get to the back room of yeah. the junior high. Party. But in junior high, I went to like legit school dances. Where, legit, where you know it was like in a school gym, and yeah. there were like tons of us, and it was just like all hot and sweaty, and then. We'd all be dancing and then a slow song would come on mm-hmm. and you'd make sure, you'd want to make sure you weren't near anybody who you didn't want to dance with. Oh, that's with. the worst when you have to dance with someone yeah. you're like indifferent about. Yeah. And then, you know that song, that Guns N' Roses song that was super long? November Rain? Yes. They always played that. <laughs> and you know, it's super long. The song is a bummer. Yeah. Well, it's- And the cold November okay, Rain. Okay, but it's also like 10 minutes long. Yeah, it is. And so I, we'd always be like, okay- if they play November Rain, just make sure you're near someone you want to dance with. Oh, yeah. You don't want to be like standing next to a teacher when that song starts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like they start November Rain. I'm like looking around like, oh, okay, this one. <laughs> it's a little bit of anxiety. Because... How sneaky were you? Were you Were you like, were you with your friends or were you like, I'm just going to go over there and like you have like a like an empty cup in your hand and you act like you're going to throw it. Oh, it's November Rain. Hey. And you ask like your, 
the guy really no, no, liked we to dance with No, no, we weren't sneaky about it. We were just like, we'd all be dancing together, and then a slow song would start, and everyone would just immediately be like, okay, I got to find, like, my partner. Hmm. Yeah. Did it work out for you? Do you yeah. recall? Yeah. Do you recall who you danced with well, to this day? Okay, but you're asking me, like, this was three years of dances, where, and we had a dance every month. Oh, wow. This is like 20... So it's not a big deal for you, because these things were a huge deal for me. So we... I, I could have gone to like 27 of these in my whole junior high life. I, I, is that the actual number? Well, if... You have nine months of school and yeah. three years of junior high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. That's amazing to me. So I do remember, though, I, I don't know what grade it was or anything, but yeah, I did I did have a good partner for November Rain at least once. Hmm. So, you know, that was the goal. Fantastic. Yeah. I'm going to crank up the November Rain <laughs> later on, see if you still got those moves. All right. So the back room, it's a black, right, it's a black light makeout room. Yeah. Like, what? And I there's love this. just multiple couples in there just just making And there's out. also teachers overseeing the thing. So you think they're like, you know, let them have their time and yeah, you know Yeah, it's, it's fine, man. Like they're all they're all clothed, they're just like hanging out, it's fine. I guess they're probably thinking they could be doing worse things. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So but one of the kids was like, Oh man, I like had my hand up her shirt. Like <laughs> so I think there was some sneaky sneaky going on well you know kids. this is before social media where you would announce such a thing you know with like the smiley emoji so this is like you know this is a big moment for for a guy yeah that's true so <laughs> wiley wiggins he's getting like he's kind of like getting his friends out of this junior high dance to come hang out with the cool kids yeah you know but they don't really hang out for very long i mean once they prank ben affleck's character they kind of like exit the movie do they? I mean, there's the... Because, I mean, the movie is... It's been pointed out to me. I've never really thought about the film as having a plot, honestly, until I watched it with you last night. Because, I mean, it's it, it's a film with incident, but it's so laid back. And it's so of its era. It doesn't it doesn't feel like there's a lot at stake. But there is. But it's, it's uh, you know, the last day of school. And then it's like driving around going mm-hmm. from one incident to another and then finally the movie settles on the party right and then you have the epilogue of the next morning yeah exactly but this so but the right now the boys are still not all of them have gotten paddled that's so, right and the pat yeah, it's still this this series of paddling scenes yeah. where the guys are trying to go They're around trying to like run away find and, victims yeah, yeah. And yeah. so and Ben Affleck's character, O'Bannon, is is especially zealous about this. Yeah, he's such a jerk. But oh, he's um, great. He's so despicable. In this. So another one of Wiley Wiggins' friends gets paddled big time, and then there's just like <laughs> they open their trunk, and it's just like full of beer. There's got to be like 100 ba- beers in there. Well, it's it's and it's glass bottles. It's not some of them are cans, cans. but a lot it's of can, them are cans and bottles. Yeah. But it's like if if any car, if it's even like a slight. You know, just a little, you know, fender bender. It's just going to be broken glass and beer all over the back of that car. Yeah, I know. And he's like, don't waste the beer, like on the little, on the younger kids. <laughs> oh my gosh. At this point, do you find any of the senior characters endearing? No, not really. Not I, even Jason London's character? No, I, I don't actually. The he only, grows on me over the course the of the movie. The sister of Wiley Wiggins is the only one yeah. who seems decent. She seems sweet. Yeah, but even. Like all the football players. Well, I don't find Jason London endearing until the end, I think. Okay. Because he's just kind of like, 
I don't want to sign that paper. You know, it's like, okay, well. Well, let's talk about Parker Posey's character, Darla. I mean, she's a real nightmare. Oh, yeah. This is someone who, you know, it's something we've always said. There, you know, in any job, whatever it is, there's always one person who you give them just a little bit of power. <laughs> they just take it it's, and it's not they're just monsters. That, yeah, they, their true monstrous selves come out whenever they have any kind of elevated status. And this is someone who is just loving this this uh, this ritualized abuse way too much. She's just terrible. What do you think she, like, becomes in life? I think she becomes the manager of an office max. No. Because I think I worked for her <laughs> in 1999. <laughs> the worst manager of all time. Either that or she marries some rich guy and, like, ends up on, like, the Housewives show. No, but this is the 70s, so I think uh, she might be the manager of, like, Bennigan's in this town. Really? You don't think she kind of... I don't think she's going the distance. I think no. she's burned too many bridges because all these, you know, all, all these girls she's abused, they're like, we don't like her. So I think she's going to find that her opportunities are limited. So she's going to be like, you know, she's like, this is going to be the best Bennigan's. This is going to be the best Bennigan's in the whole town. <laughs> and, like, people hate working for her, but her sales are good. So she'll be basically the Bennigan's queen until that franchise dies out in the early aughts. Mm, okay. So she kind of like, does she get married? Does she have kids? Um, I think she's going to, I think there's going to be a scandal. She's going to have an affair with a dishwasher who's a little too young. Oh, then and I so then she then, has to flee the town. Then I definitely knew her when I worked at the Egg and I because we had <laughs> like... <laughs> there there was like a manager who had an affair with one of the hostesses and who they were both married and it was a big scandal what is it about these restaurant jobs that just they're just ripe with with scandal opportunities oh man i could tell you all the scandals of that's, all the restaurants yeah, i worked at that's a whole other podcast we yeah, gotta work on yeah. exactly all of them came out after i left by the way okay now let's talk about Matthew McConaughey and how old he is because he has a, he has a line where he's standing outside of the arcade pool hall and you know like how's the crop of girls this year it's like oh my it's so bad he's like I get older they stay the same age you know and I don't know I, maybe I'm asking you for trouble even talking about this but I had the thought watching the movie I thought that's how I feel watching this movie. You get older, they stay the same age. I'm talking about the cast. Uh, it's amazing to me. Because, you know, I was a young man when I saw this film. Mm -hmm. And I thought McConaughey, I'm like, I don't know who this guy is, but he's really funny. Yeah. I didn't think I'd still be talking about this actor, let alone most of these actors, you know, long after. It's, uh, I mean, I know, the, I know the line is about sex and underage girls. I understand that. I get it. But... For me now, for me now, it's it's a way of looking at this film about what it is about you know it being a time capsule, it being about you know these momentary adventures that we have in our youth. Um, yeah, no, it actually it actually made me very reflective. The oh other my night. gosh! So it's not about him being a predator. <laughs> it is, <laughs> but I'm turning it into something positive. Oh, okay. Even though his character is still. Not good. Your point is taken. Yeah. Okay. My my optimism is, is misguided. Please continue. <laughs> All right. So at one point, the, the guys are driving around and they're picking up trash cans. Like they're driving and then like a passenger will like pick up a trash can and throw them at mailboxes. And so like just, the like, bad guys from Stand By Me doing this. Them. Yeah, this is terrible. I hate this crap. And I'm like, you know, 
not that long ago, like your dad accidentally backed into our mailbox and it just like totally like fell over. I mean, it was a total accident, you know, because we have a narrow. Was it though? <laughs> Do we really know? They didn't call me. Reverse. <laughs> That'll show him. And it's like, you know, my neighbor was like, oh man, like look at the mailbox. Your father-in-law totaled your mailbox. Yeah. yeah. And and it's like, oh, okay. So, you know, I had to get that fixed and all that. And now it's like significantly shorter. It's just hilarious. But I'm thinking if I like went outside one morning and just like all those mailboxes were just like all over the floor, all over the ground and just like completely eviscerated, I would have, I'd be like, dude. Well, I know this is a monsters. Yes. I, I know this is a movie about high school, not college, but this is one of the reasons I love that we don't live in a college town. Yeah. Because, I mean, I'll just say this, like my, my mother still lives in Fort Collins, Colorado. In 1997, I believe it was voted the best place in America to live by USA Today. Big deal at the time. And I love that little town I do, but I've told you whenever I'm there, I feel like I'm stuck. I just feel like I'm trapped in this town because it's it's isolated from Denver and the rest of the rest of the state. But also, it's a college town. It's it's not this mailbox hazing crap, but it's like the college for a while they had problems where I remember I remember driving past the college one night and I'm like, where's that smoke coming from? Huge bonfire on the football field. Everyone's like dancing around this big monster fire. They would do stuff like that all the time. Mm. And it was just like, oh, well, it's just what they do. So I wonder if – to talk about Days and Confused, I, may, I wonder if – we're just looking at a community that is just it's like, well, you know, we were we were counterculture once. You know, we oh, were no, but like one of the old guys finds them and like shoots at them. Yeah, yeah, no. I mean it's it's all over the place because you have parents that want to come across, it's like we're cool, like the parents who are overseeing the junior high party. And if you watch those parents as the kids leave, it looks like because it's like a, it's a man and a woman. It looks like the the male teacher, probably like the shop teacher, is totally macking on the female teacher. Oh. So I think maybe they're like failed hippies. They're like, you know, we're just going to let these kids have their time. But there are a lot of indications of this movie that the parents are kind of the adult gatekeepers who are really not happy with not only their kids, but just the kids in this town. There's that moment where Pink is leaving uh, the stadium and there's an old man talking about, oh, you had such a great arm. And you were, you know, talking about the kind of football player that he was, how he sees him and perceives him versus the way, you know, Pink knows who he truly is. There's a lot of that in this film where if you really watch the adults and they're only like they're in small supporting roles, but you get the sense that it's either the ones who feel like, you know, we're cool, we're with you, man, we support you, versus the ones who are like, you are you are a broken generation. We do not <laughs> approve of what you are doing. Yeah. I mean, we're like four years away from the 80s. Mm-hmm. And so... Yeah. And there's a line, yeah. a very famous line in the movie where it's like, well, the 80s got to be good, right? You know, and it's like, uh, no. No, they really weren't. Uh, no, you've got HIV, you've got tragedy, you've got... Uh, you got the the Wall Street crash of '87. There's all sorts of horror stories awaiting these characters in the 1980s. So no, if anything, the '70s, which was you know mocked for being a generation, a, a decade rather that didn't have its own identity. That's not true. Um, and also a, uh, a generation, you know, thanks to things like disco, uh, that had a lot of frivolity. No, the '70s were great. <laughs> <laughs> They were great. Well, um, do you think you can only say that because you didn't really live through them? No, no, I could say it because you know, for one thing, I, um, for one thing, I think disco is held up better than ska. For example, oh, um, I do, I do think there are things that we overlooked. 
Um, everybody always says how great movies were in the 70s. The 70s was like the greatest decade for film. I think there's some some truth to that. It's not entirely the case. Um, no, I, I don't think that the 70s were quite all that bad. Although, you know, considering that the 70s was also the decade of the Zodiac Killer and Patty Hearst. There was some, there was some awful stuff in the 70s. A lot of it was carried over from the 60s, though. The madness of the late 60s. All right. Well, let's move on because um, there's a lot to talk about. There's a lot of characters, and there's yeah. a lot going on in this film, and all of it's very engaging, very funny. Like some of this movie is just very deadpan, but there's some scenes in that are just so laugh out loud, hysterically funny. Well, this is where um, Wiley Wiggins' character has his buddies. He's rescued them from the junior high dance, and he's like, "Oh man, they're gonna like prank the Ben Affleck character." Yeah. And so, you know, they get him to go outside by basically saying, you know, there's another kid out there that he hasn't paddled yet. And so he's like ready. He's ready to go. But the kids are up on the roof and they pour paint on his head. And he's out of the movie after that. Like, he is so ticked. Oh, I love it that that Linklater gives him this scene where he is just strutting around like an angry rooster, paddle still in hand, but covered in paint. And he's just like, screw you guys. Ah! Just like pacing back and forth. The camera doesn't cut. And it's just, we're just watching this guy be such a moron. It's so deeply satisfying. Yeah. And then, yeah, and then think, he drives out of the movie. Yeah, then he drives out of the movie. And then I think the, the like Wiley's friends, I don't really see them after that. I mean, maybe they went to the party, but. Yeah, that's true. You know, maybe they just called it. I mean, what do you think O'Bannon did for the rest of the night? I think he, like, took a shower and he spent the rest of the night just watching Charlie's Angels. Smoking weed. Yeah. Yeah. I think he was like... Or, I don't think, maybe he doesn't smoke weed. Maybe he's one of those guys, like, those dang hippies. Like, maybe he's, like, one of those guys, you know? Like, yeah, my dad was right about that generation. Oh my gosh. Okay, well, at this point now, they are like, we're going to have our party at the Moon Tower. Woo! Which, by the way, would have been a great alternate title for this movie. Moon Tower? Party at the Moon Tower. Oh. Definitely. That's a great title. Um, Jason London gives Wiley Wiggins a ride home. And he tells him, it's such a wonderful piece of advice. I've always loved it where he's like, you know, because he invites him to the party and Wiley Wiggins is like, I don't want to go to the party. Those idiots who paddled me are going to be there. And Jason Lennon says, you know, it'd be cool. It'd be a cool move to show up and let him know it doesn't bother you too much. I love that. Yeah. That's excellent advice. So, of course, he takes him up on it and then it becomes becomes these uh, series of funny scenes where this little kid who is somewhere between he's like he's canny enough to hold his own with these guys but he's also way too young to be hanging out with these insane seniors Mm -hmm. um so we get some episodic episodic comedy where we're seeing kind of the the way the night elevates um yeah so it's off to the party at the moon tower yeah off to the party and I feel like there's like maybe eight subplots we haven't discussed. There's the Adam Goldberg subplot oh, where he yeah. and his very thoughtful, philosophical friends are also in on the party. And um, the young woman amongst the three of them, that's, this is Giovanni Ribisi's sister. The redhead? The redhead, yeah. She like has this weird crush on Wooderson. It's like she should know better. Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. yeah. And as Matthew McConaughey brought up in an interview, I thought this was so funny. I've never thought of this. Um, he's talking to her, you know, there's like the cars are parked. He's talking to her. It's very American graffiti. And he invites her to the party. He's like, Hey, you need a ride, which is hilarious because she's in her car. She's like, thanks. I have my car. (laughs) (laughs) It's 
But he tells her how much he loves redheads. Yes. Yeah. And that she just kind of melts, as you do when Matthew McConaughey says I mean, that he loves Matthew redheads. Matthew McConaughey said something like that to me, I'd melt. I get it. Oh, yeah. 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 All right. All right. All right. How you doing? Pretty good. Cool. You heard about the party being busted, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Not to worry. There's a new fiesta in the making as we speak. It's out at the Moon Tower. Full kegs. Everybody's gonna be there. You ought to go. Okay. Okay, we'll be there. Okay. Say so you need a ride? Uh, no, I got my own car. Thanks. Yeah, well, listen, you ought to ditch the two geeks in the car with now and get in with us, but that's all right. We'll worry about that later. I will see you there, all right? Bye. I love those redheads, man. I know you. <laughs> we had geography together, remember? Oh, great. Oh, God. God. Dick. It was so creepy. Ah, oh. why are you smiling? I thought he was cute. Oh, that's you thought he was cute? <laughs> Do you realize when he graduated, we were like three years old? Oh, Cynthia, what are you thinking? Oh. I don't know. Oh. So we're going to still go? <laughs> yeah, what the hell, I guess. Okay, you guys, Barry has a book here called... Well, it's just, it's, it's from my Criterion collection. It's, it, it just keeps a list of all the... It's all the characters, but it's an actual book. It's like a little, it's like a little yearbook. Right. <laughs> what are you laughing about? This? Do you understand how big this movie is? No. You don't know. You really no, don't get it. This I is a don't. huge cult film. You know, this is like the big Lebowski when people talk about stoner movies. And I really wish they wouldn't refer to this movie as such because you don't need to be inebriated to appreciate how awesome this movie is. I don't mm-hmm. think. Yeah. Yeah. But it is like they do put it like, oh, like Dazed and Confused and Up in Smoke and Half Baked. No, no. Like don't put it with – it's the movie isn't stupid. The, you'll, there's scenes where characters do drugs and smoke weed, but that's not the movie. That's not the appeal of the film and you don't need to be stoned to find the movie hilarious. Yeah, no, that – no, I know. I thought it was funny. Yeah, I'm just I'm just saying like the the appeal that 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 was one of the reasons the movie didn't find an audience in 1993 because the poster for the film was the have a nice day smile looking stoned, and that was kind of the poster for a while, um, and it, it and I this is something I wrote about in my article on the film. It's like the poster for the movie it looked fine on a college dorm room wall, but in a movie theater the movie just looked stupid, and they they didn't quite. They didn't really know what they had with this film. It it became a huge cult film uh, once it was released on video and DVD and and basic cable. People watch this film all the time. They have parties all the time. And I mean, again, this is Linklater's second film. It's so accomplished. There are scenes of the kids being chased. There's auto chases. Like these are action sequences, and they're so well done. You would never guess. This is from a guy who his first movie is just a series of characters walking around having thoughts about coffee and life. <laughs> um, you know, and you know what he did after this, right? Mm. Before Sunrise. Oh, so, which like, I do love. Yeah. I mean, Link later is, I mean, he's one of these guys who, you know, you can make a film about, about a concept or a gimmick. And he tends to really lean on this idea of like, who, what is the essence of these characters and who are they and where are they at this moment in life? So in, in all of his movies... You're, you're really, in, in most cases, you're meeting characters who are defined by what they're doing that day and that moment as opposed to the greater arc. And it's fascinating that way because you're really, 
you know, as opposed to, you know, buckets of exposition and, and you know, learning backstories and whatnot, we're learning about how, how people kind of wiggle their way out of the situations that are happening to them while they're happening to them. Okay, we haven't talked about this girl, Sabrina. <laughs> Looking in the faux yearbook. Yeah. yeah Sabrina, who is, uh, yeah, the freshman who, kind of the equivalent of Wiley Wiggins. She is the one who's pulled out, singled out for, for being a really good sport during the hazing rituals. And she's also invited to the party as the mm-hmm. as a freshman. But again, like the way the way it happens, it doesn't seem like this is something that happens often. Um, where the seniors are cool enough to think like, hey, like you, you endured such abuse today. How about you come party with this later? Yeah. And she, the guy that she has to like propose to. It's Anthony Rapp. Yeah. She ends up seeing him at the party and they really hit it off in real life. I mean, you know. Not, at the party. Yeah. At the not party. In real life, yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of a sweet, it's kind of a sweet story because he's, he's kind of a nerdy guy. And she's real cute. I was hoping she would hook up with Wiley Wiggins because there's a moment where the two of them oh, are talking, and yeah. I thought that would make more sense. They seem really young. Yeah, the but, senior seems a little old for her. Yeah, but they've been in junior high together the last three years. Like, yeah. if it was going to happen, it would have happened. Okay, so back to the party. Party of the Moon Tower. Yeah, you wrote some notes here. I wrote. But what do you got? Page of them. What What do I got? Yeah. Let's see. Let me get to my Party of the Moon Tower. All right. Well. Um, Let's see. Adam Goldberg's character, um, he gets into a fight with uh, with a guy who's had way too way too many substances that evening, and Goldberg decides to stand up to him, fight him, and becomes this moment where he becomes just pummeled publicly. It's wonderful because in a, any other stupid high school movie, this would be like a moment of glory, and instead he gets in one good shot and then gets. The crap beaten out of him. Well, I love how he's like, so... Because he was th- threatened by the guy. And yeah. so he's talking to his friends. He's like, so if I like, you know, start a fight, I could get in one good punch and then every, everyone will break it up. Like, I, I they'll protect me. Like, the mob will protect me. Instead, it's like the mob is just like cheering everybody on. Yeah. And it's not until Jason London's character and one of his friends comes and breaks it up. So he does really get his butt kicked. The movie's constantly showing us that even though they all acknowledge like this is a big deal, this is the, you know, school is over and whatever, we're graduates or we're seniors, whatever the milestone is they're about to step into, these moments of like bliss are sometimes followed by these mundane stretches. I wrote in my notes, it reminded me about the night um, of my, my my senior night when I graduated from high school. I... <laughs> It's just, I don't know, it was very, it was kind of days to confuse actually because I graduated as a senior and my father was there, my mom was there too. My parents had been estranged at this point, so it was a really big deal that they were there together. And my mom's uh, sister, my Aunt Val, was also there, so it was a really big deal. And my dad said, Hey, like afterwards, let's go to Makawa Steakhouse and celebrate. I'm like, Wow, Makawa Steakhouse this is a fancy place. And I said, No. What? Here's what I did. I said, I'm sorry. I've already been invited to a party at my friend Dennis's house. So I, I got to do that. They're like, okay. They're like, okay, cool, cool. So they went without me. I went to my friend Dennis's house. Dennis is awesome. We, we were seniors. We graduated together. I was there with my friend Royce. Royce and I drove to Dennis's house. And this is what happened. In Dennis's basement, he had black lights up. <laughs> black lights and red lights. So it looked very, it looked like a David Lynch movie, come to think of it. <laughs> And he had like a spread of food on the table and there were a few people there kind of mingling in and out. 
And they're like, Barry, woo. I'm like, yeah, woo. I'm like, yeah, but I'm starving. So I go to the table and I get like a few chicken wings on my on my paper plate. I sit down on the couch, the plate in my lap, fall fast asleep. <laughs> I wake up at two in the morning. And I look and I wake up I'm like, I don't know where I am. I'm in this David Lynch nightmare. I look down at my lap and I've got like this paper plate with an empty chicken bone. <laughs> I'm like, where am I? <laughs> and I, I'm like, oh, thank God there's Royce. So um, it's like, oh my goodness. Like, I, I can't believe this is what I did. So we drive home and on the way home, Royce is like, you didn't really do much. I know I slept. I was exhausted. I didn't, I can't believe I slept through the party at Dennis's house. Like we should do something. I'm like yeah. So so Royce goes, let's smoke. I'm like yeah. <laughs> so we pull over to the Pukalani gas let's station, smoke. and he gets like these little like these little thin cigars. We go to my dad's house. Dad's fast asleep. He had a really good meal at the Makwa Steakhouse with his former wife and his former sister in law. They had a great night together without me. <laughs> <laughs> so I heard later. So Royce goes on my deck. You know, it's a beautiful full moon and, you know, nice night sky. And he lights up this like skinny cigar, starts smoking it. I put the thing in my mouth and just having the the tobacco leaves in my mouth, I, I don't like dry heat, but I do this thing where I can't stop smit, spitting. I'm like, and I think the spitting must have lasted like five minutes. Because Royce is just looking wow. cool. Royce what? is looking like James Dean. He's like smoking and this like sounds making so rings. Terrible. Making rings and I'm standing next to him going. <laughs> kind of sounds like when like my best friend took me to smoke one time and she had quit. and But she'd been a smoker previously yeah. and I really had never done it. And it was just really pathetic. <laughs> Look at you and I, so square. So square, but but the film is also about that, about how you know you want it, you want every moment to be legendary and mythic, and it just doesn't work out that way because you're young and you're stupid and you're going to make mistakes, you're going to embarrass yourself, even if you're one of the cool popular kids. Just sometimes you're around other cool popular kids, so the stuff you do gets excused when really it's like no, we're all we're all fumbling through life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what happened after the cigars? I went to bed. Oh. Because it was like four in the morning. <laughs> so I slept in. Yeah, that's that was that was how I celebrated my, my graduating from high school. Yeah, wow. ridiculous. Ridiculous. I could have went to an upscale restaurant. I could have partied at my friend's house. Instead, I was in his bay layer downstairs and I fell fast asleep. That's amazing. I don't think you've ever told me that story. It's a, well, it's because it's a stupid story. But it felt, I wrote in my notes like, that reminds me of my night at Dennis's house when I graduated from high school. So that's why I'm telling it here. Oh, wow. All right. <laughs> well, the, oh, there is a there is a Parker Posey kind of shows yeah. again yeah. how terrible Awful. she yeah. is. She's so good in this because she goes up to the freshman mm-hmm. girl we were just talking about, um, and she's like in the back of a truck with the guy. What's his face? It's Anthony Rapp. Yeah, yeah, and you know they're really connecting and like talking and so parker posey comes up and basically wants her to do like the bacon sizzling she's thing like air raid yeah like, yeah like back to the the like, ritual yeah back to the ritual and and this girl's just looking at her like are you serious and she's like you have to do it i'll give you to the i'm gonna count down from five you know and the guy is like you do not have to do this 
And so she doesn't. And Parker Posey is just like, you will regret this. And just like stomps off. And, and it's it's also great because she's so drunk. You get the sense like she's not going to remember this That's tomorrow. what I was thinking. Yeah, this I was like, is... there's no way she's going to remember that this even happened. Right. They're going to go through the whole summer and then like school will start. And plus she's a senior. She's going away. Like, what's she going to follow up? Like, no, this is this is it for this moment. This isn't... The, no, this I isn't... thought that these were seniors like... Weren't these like... Are these graduated seniors or are these seniors that are like juniors and now they're seniors? Oh, good question. Because I was thinking these are like juniors that are now seniors and that's why they're so pumped to do these rituals. Hmm. Not graduating seniors. I think you're right. Oh, okay. Because I thought... I don't... Because, yeah, it doesn't have... It's, you know, unlike a lot of high school movies... they don't show it doesn't, a graduation. Exactly. It doesn't have the cliche of the graduation. But I, bet, I don't know if that, if that's not the case, though. I'm not sure. Yeah. I was wondering that, too. I thought maybe the ones who were graduating are, like, off doing their, like, graduation thing. Well, look, this movie avoids a lot of cliches. You know what else? This movie doesn't have sex scenes. It doesn't yeah. have nudity. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't have... a. It does, like, other than the Ben Affleck scene, it doesn't, like, have, like, a lot of stupid juvenile pranks. Like, it's not Porky's. It's not Revenge of the Nerds. It doesn't really have, like, a sing-along. Like, there's a lot of high school movie cliches. Um, it doesn't have a lot of those. It, it, it doesn't have a speech, an awkward speech in front of everybody. And I've always loved you, and I'm sorry I lied about being from Russia. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, it doesn't have that stupid rom-com thing going on. No, like it, you know, and, and you know, for me, Jason London's character is the hero. There's that great scene on the football field where the camera kind of pans around him, gives him like this hero moment of kind of real, being the one to like kind of really see in a very straightforward way, like, okay, like I'm I'm having this moment where, I'm recognizing what right now is versus what what's around the corner and the, the fear of that. I, I think the movie ostensibly again makes him the hero, but you know because it's such an ensemble piece and the ensemble is so massive, it really is like this fly in the wall of experience. Of it's like channel changing every time we we go to a new tune, we're going off to a new character. Well, the only reason I would agree that he's the hero is that after thinking about it. You know, the other football players are like, just sign the paper, man, and then just do whatever you want. And he's kind of like, no, I'm not going to sign it if I don't agree with it. You know, and he does end up kind of just like throwing it away. And he tells the coach, like, I'll play, but I'm not signing this piece of crap, you know, lifestyle covenant that I will. I know I'm not going to abide by. So I feel like his character is intact because he knows it would be a lie for him to sign it. You know, even though in not signing it, is he going to be engaging in like potentially illegal things? Like maybe, but at least he's, he's like doing it with integrity, I guess, (laughs) if that makes any sense. Like he's not just going to like bow to the man and like, yeah, okay, I'm just going to like pretend to do, pretend like I'm going along with the rules, but he's just going to be a rebel in front of everyone, which I guess I admire. Yeah, me too. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah, if you're going to be a rebel, like let everybody know it. No, stand up for something. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then is this where now we're at the field? Yeah. Yeah. Because so they kind of these these characters, a few of them leave the party. Yeah, and uh, yeah, Rabisi's character says maybe the '80s will be radical. 
<laughs> which is you know it's like oh it's it's funny it's sad yeah i was like well, what what were we saying that like maybe aren't these oh, how many of them become yuppies yeah like yeah. how many of these kids turn into like 80s yuppies right and i'm like probably a lot of them well whenever i watch 80s movies i'm thinking about okay like i watch an 80s movie with like michael douglas or jane fonda and i'm thinking they were counterculture you know, they were like really hippy dippy back in the day, and I see them now. And it, you know, and they'll be in movies like whatever, Nine to Five or Fatal Attraction. And I think that's interesting because they're playing corporate types. You know, but it is kind of this comment of like how a lot of young people with you know with idealism and hopes about the country changing, a lot of them did you know did sell out, and a lot of them did you know take these these corporate jobs where they're working for the man. And but there are some people who actually stayed to their ideals and kind of maintained. You know, that sense of empowerment, that sense of like, I'm not selling out. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, be McConaughey. I'm going to, you know, play bongos okay, but- naked on my <laughs> on my deck for my neighbors to enjoy and for entertainment tonight to show up on and uh, okay, capture but, for Ross But is it, is it being a sellout if you were like in the 70s, you were kind of a hippie and you, you know, are protesting or doing whatever you're doing and then... You know, things don't really go the way you think they're going to go. You meet somebody, you fall in love. You're like, all right, well, let's get married. Okay. You end up having kids. Now you have a family and you're like, well, we got to provide for these kids. Like, unless you're going to go try and live in some hippie commune somewhere, which many have tried. And, you know, we've watched a lot of documentaries about how their idealism, it started off very like, oh, this is going to be so great. And like ends up with like either murder or <laughs> suicide right. or you know what I mean? <clears throat> yeah. People stealing everyone's money, you know, it, it turns into a cult. Okay. So if they don't go that route or they do, and eventually they come back around, like, is it really selling out to like get a job and buy a house and like provide for your family? Like I, that's, that's my question. Cause I don't think it is. I think it's a natural course. I think it's kind of the natural course in life. Well, here's how I put it. So, to well a, to wear a puka shell necklace in the 80s is a way to like be real. <laughs> if you are the head of a company that makes puka shell necklaces that are made in China, you are a yuppie sellout scum. Mm. Days and Confused is real. It's authentic. That 70s show is sellout yuppie scum. Okay. Yeah. But I'm talking about the characters that, you know, were... Okay, let's say the characters in this film, like... What would happen if they? There's nothing wrong with pursuing the American dream. I agree with you. Obviously, I mean, if you want a family, if you want a house, and you, you know, you you go about it, you know, in a way that's honorable and hardworking. Of course, I respect that and honor that. I'm just saying, there's a difference between, you know, becoming. Yeah, I think it's about the ideals. The idea that you're somebody who initially wanted to, you know, go against what was happening in the country and trying to, to, you know. you know, because the 60s and 70s, you know, we're talking, what are we talking about? We're talking about the draft. We're talking about Vietnam. We're talking about the civil rights movement. We're talking about, so, you know, and then Watergate, the hypocrisy of what was going on, the horror of what was going on in this country. And one of the things that defined counterculture, it's like, it was it was all the young people going like, we don't get this. You know, this is this is our parents' ideals. This is not what we, what we grew up with believing. Um, so for whatever reason, you know, however they decided to rebel, whether it was going to Woodstock or, you know, or avoiding the draft, um, a lot of young people i'm generalizing obviously but a lot of young people decided to rebel 
um, in a way in which they embraced the different facets of counterculturalism, which was also to, you know, to uh, stand up for those who were oppressed. Um, when those same individuals a decade later, you know, are driving a Mercedes Benz and they're, you know, <laughs> snorting coke off of a hooker's abdomen and, oh, you know, wow. working on Wall Street okay. and wearing a Frankie Says Relaxed t-shirt, they're sobs! <laughs> That's what I mean. Okay. <laughs> All right, point taken. <laughs> when they become uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. When they become and, Gordon Gecko, yeah. screw them. Yes, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> screw those yuppie scum. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Yes. When they're the wolves of Wall Street, yes. screw them. All right. They are no longer they're they, they cannot wear that puka shell necklace anymore. Okay. I hear you. I wasn't like thinking all the way up to like that level, I but was. all right. All right. All right. right. <laughs> wow. For for more of Barry's thoughts. <laughs> this has now become one of those podcasts where it's yeah. just an angry white guy <laughs> rambling, screaming. Oh, it's funny. All right, so we're at the we're at the football field. <laughs> that's that's the end of the movie, basically, because the next morning there's that funny bit where uh, where Wiley Wiggins comes home and his mom his mom is really cool about it. Oh, well, it. he's like making out with a girl at like at oh, sun, sorry. sunrise. Sorry, I mean skip over that. Yes, yes, yeah, he is. He, like yeah. one of the seniors, and then yeah, he comes home and she's like, "I'll give you a pass this one time, but if you come home at sunrise again, like you're basically in in major trouble." And she's like, "Are you drunk?" He's like. No. <laughs> no, why would you say that? And he puts on his headphones and starts rocking out. I'm like, oh, I love this kid. That's exactly what I would have done. That's fantastic. You would have been asleep in two seconds. <laughs> well, we know that from my prior story. But ideally, I would have been rocking out to some fog hat. Absolutely. Oh yeah. My so then we see uh, the last image of the film is Jason London and his buddies. They're driving. And there's a great shot of the horizon. And he's just looking at this empty horizon. And that's how the film ends. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect ending. Okay, so you wouldn't change anything about this movie. No, it's long enough. I don't think I'd change anything. Um, it's long enough, but not too long. Um, it doesn't editorialize its characters, which I love. Because at times, as you've indicated, sometimes the characters are loathsome and repulsive. And sometimes they're endearing and charismatic. Um, sometimes they do and say everything that's right. And sometimes they're absolutely wrong. Which I also love. Um, it's not only from performances, but also from actors. Um, and excuse me, and also from uh, uh, the the writers, the temptation is to make your hero heroic and make your bad guys very bad. It's a harder thing to find a middle ground to show people being human. Mm-hmm. And I feel like these actors really understood these characters, and I think Linklater really understands them too. So again, we're it it just feels like we're in a time machine watching this era. And again, like you know, I, my memories of the seventies. I don't have any. I have memories of the early, early, early '80s, which some with some '70s carryover. So I do remember, you know, bell bottoms. I do remember the sideburns and lots of disco, and um, I do remember facets of that era. And of course, I had a lot of friends and family members and babysitters who were counterculture or grew up in that kind of environment. And uh, yeah, this movie makes me. It reminds me of people I love and miss. I'll tell you, this is my last Days and Confused story, I promise. Last one. Um, my first year teaching at the, the high school that your mom got me a job at. Um, it, was a, it was the first year I was there for an entire year. And it was, uh, this was the May of 2005. And I was told I had to go find all the seniors. Got to gather all the seniors together for a picture. And three were missing. It was two girls and a guy that were missing. So like, like Mr. Worst, 
go and find, you know, these three seniors. I'm like, okay. So I'm like looking around and uh, it's near the end of the school day. Some, some classrooms are empty. Some classrooms have kids in them. I'm looking for these three seniors. Like, where are they? I hear some talking and I find that they're in the science room by themselves. And they're all, three of them are all sitting against the wall. Uh, the blackboard is above them and they're alone. And I'm about to, you know, stick my head in and tell them like, hey, we need you downstairs. I'm listening to what they're talking to first. And what they're saying is the guy saying like, no, you don't get it. Like, this is the last time we're ever going to be in this room together. Don't you get it? And they're going like, no, Paul, Paul, just relax. Okay. We'll see each other. Okay. We'll stay. He's like, no, man, you don't know that. Like, this is it. This is probably the last time we're ever going to be together. We spent all this time in this room and what does it mean? You know? And they're going, Paul, stop being so silly. Okay. Like, well, we'll, we'll go to reunions. We'll see each other. We'll still be best friends. Like how? And he's going like, how can we be best friends? Like we, you know, we, we're going to different colleges. We're going to, we're going to have a different life. What are you talking about? This is it. This moment, this is the last time we're ever going to be in this room together. Paul, stop. So I'm listening to this conversation and I stepped away. Yeah. I went back and I'm like, I can't find them. Really? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, screw it. I want them to have that moment. So they weren't I... in the picture because of you? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I don't remember what happened afterwards. I do remember though, but I did. Well, Paul, you were right. We're not even in this picture. This is the end. I was invisible. (laughs) Why am I not in the yearbook? No, I don't know. I don't know. I just, but I do know that I did step away and I said like, I couldn't, I'm pretty sure I said I couldn't find them because I just, I thought, wow, he gets it. I wanted to have that moment. I didn't want to break that up because I thought that's that's someone who really gets it um, because when high school is it's weird because it's four years and it feels like it's never gonna end and then it's over and it feels like it never even happened you know yeah, yeah. and for a while you go around town you go you know you see younger people like hey man wow you know and after a while like you know I'm you know I'm class of 96 no one remembers me as a senior or you know there, there's there's a very few people who run into me and remember me as a high school and what I was like in high school but those days are long gone yeah but i'm not mcconaughey though i don't hang out with seniors like well that's good because i would have a problem with that (laughs) yeah that'd be kind of hard to explain wouldn't it yeah exactly i'm gonna hang out with some seniors and (laughs) where do we even go where do young people even go now i don't know like there's no arcades there's no roller rinks i see them at the uh, no there's a roller rink you know what like yeah like here where we live there's like the parking lot of jack in the box on friday nights there's a skate park and there's a roller rink there's a skate park that's true there's an outdoor roller rink okay Mm -hmm. now i know where to go but i i don't know i mean okay (laughs) i was i was with b and we were at like a shave ice place across from a high school Mm -hmm. and we were just waiting for our friend to pick us up she had to go get something and I was like, yeah, just drop us off at, we'll get shave ice while you run your errand, you know? So we're just hanging out and all of a sudden school ended and this like wave of, of students, like all these teenagers are just flooded the area where we were. And I was like, oh my gosh. I mean, they literally just like came, I mean, descended onto this like one spot Mm -hmm. and like just decided this is where they're going to be hanging out. And I was like, wow, this is, this is crazy. I, I don't remember like ever doing that because I mean, my school was small and me and my, I had like my best friend, we would just get in our car and just like, I don't know, go to the mall or something. But it wasn't just like, you know, like 50 people and then another 50 and then another 50 just like keep crossing the street. So I, I think they just hang out 
near their school. They find like, I don't know, like a Starbucks or there was like a Safeway. I think they just go and like get snacks. Yeah. It's a different culture too because, you know, there used to be Starbucks that had bookstores attached to them and we're just, we're not in that era anymore. Everybody's yeah. very introverted. Um, well, they, you have, know. they have their phones and they're all just like kind of making plans, but not really... Yeah. It's becoming a William Gibson nightmare. I'd say I got two uh, two dear friends I should mention. My friend Michael McCartney, who's a wonderful DJ and a really great guy, um, who's a big fan of this movie. And also my dear friend Brian Cohn, who's a writer-director. Um, I think once a year, at least once a year, whenever I'm hanging out with them, I always bring up this movie. I'm like, which one of those – which which guys were you in that movie? And they always have a different answer for me. <laughs> <laughs> They answer differently every time. I swear, like they've told me different characters. Because I asked Brian, like you were the McConaughey character, right? Like, no, 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 no. I was not that guy. I was this guy. And I've and and yeah, so they've told me. Um, the next time I ask him, I'll, I'll I'll get back to you on that. But yeah, like they've they've told me different characters, um, which I think is wonderful. Or they've said like oh, I was kind of like this guy with a little bit of this guy. I mean, this film was a real connective point for people. I mean, it's one. I mean, look. I, you know, I, I don't think it's Linklater's best film, but I do think it's one of the best films about the 70s. Mm. Um, another film about the 70s that I do love, absolutely love, and it doesn't get a lot of love for being a movie about its time, Halloween. Mm. Halloween, in terms of like the look, the feel of it, the sense of like, you know, the end of an era, the end of innocence. Um, I feel like Halloween is also another one that's good. And, and by the way, last thing I want to say, there is a companion piece that Linklater made with this film. He made a movie years later, decades later, called Everybody Wants Some. And it's kind of like the other other side of the coin um, to this film. Definitely see it. It's excellent. It doesn't get a lot of love. I thought it was one of the best films of its year as well. Um, but for me, this is a four-star movie. Mm-hmm. I love this movie. Okay. How yeah. many stars would you give it? You don't like it that much, do you? I... Well, no, I like it. I just, I don't know. I think I might be a little, like, young. A little square. Yeah, a little square, a little young to, like, appreciate, like, stoner 70s stuff. Um, Just this high school experience is nothing like what I experienced. Do you have one? Is there a movie that reflects what you remember about high school? No, I'd really have to think about that. I don't. Should we talk about the movie Saved? <laughs> no, that doesn't reflect my experience. Yeah, mine either. No, no, no. I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, for me, this is closer to my experience than John Hughes. I love John Hughes movies, but for me, they're like they're fantasies. I, I don't yeah. really relate to them. Really, no. I no, they're really. I don't know that there is like a high school movie that's Mean exactly, Girls. Exactly. No, no, I don't think so. Hmm. I mean, maybe Clueless, maybe. <laughs> Oh, boy. Because we watched it so much, hmm. me and my best friend. So, like, inevitably, parts of that movie kind of fueled your experience because you're like, this is how it's I mean, done. we did spend a lot of time at the mall. So, you know, maybe that, that was more what it was. We should definitely talk about Clueless in a future episode. Yeah. No yeah. joke. But, no, I do like this movie. I'd say probably three stars. Okay. Well, that's, that's cool. That's yeah. cool. I mean, you know, again, like, we should celebrate the fact that it's Linklater's second movie. But, I mean, this guy had masterpieces right around the corner. The before trilogy is up there. I'd say A Scanner Darkly, one of my absolute favorites that he did, as well as another animated movie he did called Waking Life, which stars Wiley Wiggins. Um, yeah, everybody who loves Linklater, particularly if they love Days of Confused, check this guy's body workout. He did a film called Bernie, which is terrific. Um, 
very versatile artist. Um, has made all kinds of films, big budget, low budget. Um, he's fantastic. He's a true American original. He's, of course, the Oscar winner for Boyhood. Um, check out check out his body work. He, I, there's there's barely a bad film in it. He did a movie with Ethan Hawke and, and Uma Thurman called Tape, which I love. Um, yeah, the guy just been stringing out great work for years. So, but check this out. This is a classic. It is a cult classic, but I do feel like it's a genuine classic, and uh, it gets better every time I see it. All right. Well, that concludes our discussion of Dazed and Confused. Good night, everyone. Mm-hmm.